This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show for what will be the penultimate Arsenal News Show of the series because unfortunately it is coming to an end. On the 1st of December there will be no more Arsenal News Show because the Arsenal Transfer News Show will begin again one month ahead of the January window, of course, we will be covering all the latest information and news going forwards. We've been doing the Arsenal news show ever since the end of the summer window. But the Arsenal transfer news show, which of course you probably most of you anyway started listening to during the summer window, will be restarting again, uh, as we always do one month ahead of the opening of the window. So looking forward to bringing you that. Nikolai, it was absolutely my intention to try and concern you that this show would be ending. But no, it's going nowhere. It's just returning to the usual Arsenal transfer news show that you have enjoyed throughout your time as a subscriber at the Talk, And if in fact, this is your first time listening to the show. First of all, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. And do drop a like on the video if you are here. And, of course, subscribe if you are new. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. We've got Matt, Brad, Big O. We've got Mohammed. We've got Carl, Stevie, Ruben, Paul in the chat. Leopold, Joshua, Tony, Guna, 0411. The 411th Guna in the in the world that's incredibly that's 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 amazing that is some achievement to be the 411th guna out there social good morning jay hawk steph jose socially again joining us femi jacob rich uh we've got tony we've got adam aribi we've got uh, we've got so many of you i can't read out everyone's names i'm sorry well, thank you so much um <laughs> going from zero to a hundred yes indeed Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get on with things. Of course, telling you to go over and subscribe to the Arsenal Way if you haven't done so already. We are 50 subs from 5,000 subscribers. If you are not subbed over there already, you're missing out on some great daily content. If you enjoy your morning shows, you get a second morning show over there at 9.30. It starts basically an hour 
after this one finishes Monday to Friday. You can watch all of Arteta's press conferences. You can watch the interviews. You can watch the stuff that we do. I've interviewed the likes of Mo Farah over there. We've spoken to Nuno Tavares, uh, former Benfica coach, Raul Traliao. We speak to plenty of people. I'll be doing shows with the likes of Chris Wheatley and Kai Kainak every single week. Make sure you are tuned in to the Arsenal way. We are not far from hitting our 5K target just a couple of months after we started things off. Brilliant stuff over there. We've done some great work. Thanks for supporting it. We're so close to hitting that first key goal on our route. Let's kick on, though, with the first story of the day, and it revolves around Dejan Kulisevsky, uh, the Ukrainian winger for Juventus. This interest is not going away. Yet again, Italian media have claimed that Arsenal are still very much interested in signing the Swedish international. He himself is still not having the best of times at Juve. Juve in general are not having the best of times under Mr. Massimiliano Allegri. It is interesting, isn't it? A lot of Arsenal fans wanted to see Allegri. They wanted to see Conte and both Italian coaches are struggling. Did I say Ukrainian again? He is Swedish. I don't know what it is. I just keep getting the yellow and blue coloured flags mixed up. That's clearly what it is. I need to stop saying Ukrainian. He's Swedish. He's Swedish. He's Swedish. I will remember for next time. <laughs> for goodness sake. Every time I say Ukrainian, he's Swedish. Keep getting the blue and yellow mixed up. Anyway, I'm, I don't know. I'm getting, who, is, who is the Swede? Who is the Ukrainian? Yarmolenko? Konoplyanka? We were linked to him for a long, long time. Deary, deary me. Anyway, the Swedish international, Dejan Kulisevsky, um, has, I say, been linked with Arsenal for some time. Right winger, left-footed. It's led to suggestions, mainly from myself, thinking, of course, about the fact that Pepe currently plays there. Pepe's situation at Arsenal is not very certain. The fact that we're being linked with players that play in the wide areas like Asensio, Kulisevsky, Noah Lang, it does give kind of a bit of an indication that maybe Pepe's time at Arsenal is coming to an end. It's purely theory right now. But that is certainly something that could affect the future of Nicolas Pepe. Moving on to our next story, which apparently is nothing. Oh, there it is. Vlaovic decided to turn up. Uh, Vlaovic is certainly someone that we know has been linked to Arsenal for some time. And uh, Correa della Sera has been claiming that apparently his asking price could drop down from the mighty 80 million euros down to just 40 million. Incredibly different figure that we've seen perhaps there's something in his contract a release clause that activates in 2022 but supposedly his price has fallen down considerably and will do so in the summer does that mean Arsenal have any better chance of signing him probably not it appeared from the reports from Demazio that Arsenal was still willing to pay the figure of around 70 to 80 million euros had the player been interested in making that move to Arsenal we're told that he isn't supposedly interested in moving to Arsenal. It just is not the type of uh, move that he's fancying. And, you know, uh, Fabrizio Romano, speaking on the Arsenal Lounge, did say that his feeling and Fiorentina's feeling is that a secret deal behind the scenes is what could um, be going on with another big club that even they are not aware of at the moment. So that's certainly one that we are going to have to keep an eye on. But he is a player that's price will supposedly drop, but Arsenal may still struggle to sign. Now, Alexandre Lacazette has been speaking about the possibility of him leaving. It's confirmed that something could happen as early as January. He says, of course, my agents are starting to look the right to the left 
but not until January. I really want to focus myself on something, and then we will see what is on offer, if the challenges are interesting, if there are beautiful projects, how they are counting on me. So there are still many questions. I prefer to wait until January to position myself. Now, of course, while he's speaking at January, and a deal could occur in the winter window, we could see a club come in to try and bid on him specifically. But because of the fact of the rule in England, a team from outside of the UK, outside of the uh, of England could come in and agree a pre-contract agreement with Lacazette in January because of the fact he only has six months left on his deal. Arsenal seemingly do not want to offer him the, the longer-term deal that he is after. They were more open to kind of a one-year extension, but that supposedly is not interesting, Lacazette, and he wants to move on to a project that will suit him. If it's in January and he does indeed move on, Arsenal will have to bring in a striker in January. There is absolutely no shadow of a doubt that that is what they would need to do because Aubameyang will be off at the African Cup of Nations. Eddie Nketiah could also leave, following Balogun needs a loan. And all of a sudden, we are down to just Gabriel Martinelli who can play in that striking role along with a couple of youth players. We would need to sign someone will be interesting to see what happens during the winter window. There is a lot of interesting storylines and narratives that still need to be sorted out. Our penultimate story of the day is the confirmation that Arsenal have indeed made their first bid of the January window. Janis Stoika, the FCSB Romanian uh, club sides, uh, have reported that a £6.4 million bid has me FS sorry CB have confirmed that a 6.4 million pound bid has been made now previously this was a story that had been completely kind of batted away that there was no reported interest from Arsenal in fact the the FSCB sporting director MM Stoika who is of no relation to Janis Stoika the striker said in order for Arsenal to be interested Arsenal must send an email a fax something what appears what is written I can't comment on these we have nothing we have received no interest from Arsenal that was only a few days ago and then speaking from the club owner himself to AS.RO um, Gigi Becali, who owns uh, FSCB, uh, FCSB. I'm going to get it the right way around at some point. FCSB is the team. It's not a Swedish thing all over again. FCSB. The owner, Gigi uh, Becali, or Gigi Becali, uh, has said that I currently have a 7.5 million euro on Ianis Stoika. He was then asked by the reporter whether or not that offer was from Arsenal. He replied and said, yes, and I want 10 million plus 20% being a sell-on clause in that contract. Now, the 7.5 million euros amasses to about 6.3, 6.4 million pounds. Arsenal would need to raise that figure to over 8 million if they wanted to secure the services of Ianis Stoika. Yes, I'm going to do my best to get you guys a breakdown on this guy as soon as feasibly possible. I know absolutely nothing about him other than the fact that he's 18 years old. He's already playing in the Romanian under-21 side and has scored for them in his four appearances for them so far. He's got a four, four or so goals in 12 or so appearances for FCSB uh, or FSCB um, this season. And so therefore, um, he's certainly someone that's interesting Arsenal. Liverpool are also another club that have been linked to him. Um, but at the moment in time, uh, Arsenal are the only ones that have seemingly made an offer. Uh, and as Daniel Roberts said, I've seen reports as well that someone likened him to Kylian Mbappe. I mean, if you ever want to go and 
try and drive the hype up around someone, just say they're going to be the next Kylian Mbappe. I can't say that I know anything about him at this moment in time, but I will be endeavouring to get you guys as much info on him as feasibly possible. Interesting, though, that a bid has indeed been confirmed. £6.4 million. That is what Arsenal, around that figure, have bidded for him. Now, lastly, last story of the day on Martin Erdegaard. Now, a lot of you may have seen my article that I put up yesterday. Received a fair bit of attention uh, talking about Erdegaard becoming the Arsenal scapegoat currently right now. It created quite a bit of reaction. A lot of people were quite, not offended, but surprised maybe. Some people denied the fact that a lot of people have been criticising Erdegaard, despite the fact that within the article it actually includes specific tweets of people really scapegoating Martin Erdegaard. He is a player that is still obviously deceivingly young, only one year older than Emil Smith-Rowe, we remember. Plays in a really unorthodox role at number 10. It's a role that is very difficult to play, we know that. But enough of the excuses. He is influential. Martin Erdegaard is a player that improves Arsenal. He's played in the two highest shot frequency games of the season so far. Both games against Newcastle and Norwich in which he has started, we've created 54 shooting opportunities. He is someone that influences the game, can go under the radar. Whilst his goals and assist stats are not yet there in raw stat, although saying that he should have had a goal the other week against Watford if it weren't for a bat. Was it not Watford? It was, uh, who is it that he got his goal stolen against? Someone. It might have been Watford, actually. It was Watford, wasn't it? Erdogan definitely should have scored against Watford. Uh, Bamiyang nicking that on the line. His pressing is unrivaled in the Premier League. In fact, I think he still ranks as the number one presses per 90 player for aggression in the Premier League. He embodies what Arteta wants from his players, which is pure running, pure pressing, never giving up, constantly moving. There are parts of his game that needs to improve. He needs to be a little bit quicker on the turn. He needs to be a little bit more confident in his passing. He's got the vision. He's got the range. He had one of the best passing accuracies of balls into the box last season when he was here for six months. We need to see more of that. But the fact that you see people out there saying he's not good enough, he's you know he's not. Someone, someone described to me yesterday is that he's not a Premier League quality player. You have not seen enough of Martin Erdegaard to be making sweeping statements that so categorically say not good enough at this stage. That's frankly ridiculous, because like you see the mistakes made by some of the players that are very much defended. I mean William Saliba. Let's talk about him for a second playing really, really well for Marseille this season. But he's not perfect. He's still got a lot of development to do. He's only two years younger than Erdogan. In fact, the other day, he led his mistake led to Galatasaray scoring. And yet there's something about Saliba that garners huge amounts of you know support and that people really, really want to get behind Saliba. And why isn't that same kind of... Why isn't that same encouragement, support, given to someone like Erdogan, who statistically, as we've seen has added some really strong parts to his game. The difference is in the way in which fans look at players. I find staggering when you consider the differences in performance and when you consider the same level of mistake and the same, same level of immaturity about their games. I find it really, really odd that players are compared so differently depending on position, a couple of differences in age apart, the price that we paid, although Saliba and Odegaard were costed the same amount of money. Odegaard joined us from Real Madrid, where he'd been there for since he was 16. He'd had some really good loan deals. He was part of Arsenal's arrival. It's not a coincidence 
that Erdegaard joins us in January and Arsenal become, what, the second or third form side in the league in the last six months of last season, with also the introduction of Smith-Rowe. I think that when he plays, we are more fluid. When he plays, we're more creative. He has more of an influence on the game than Alexandre Lacazette does in that role behind the striker. I think if we had some strikers like Aubameyang could take their chances a bit more at the moment, we'd even see some more assists and maybe even some more goals. I think he's down on a bit of confidence. But the fact that people are willing to go not good enough right now, honestly, it staggers me. Does it stagger me? Probably doesn't. It probably doesn't surprise me at all. But at the same time, I just find it ridiculous that he's turning into the next scapegoat that Arsenal fans want to use. What I would say is that I do think there is a bit of a correlation between those that aren't particularly the biggest fans of Arteta. And because Erdogan, and even I can admit this, is probably the lowest performing of the six signings made by Arteta and Edu, he has very quickly become the one that can be bashed the one that can very quickly be used against Arteta. I do think that has definitely got something to do with it. So if you do see people bashing Arteta, you may see a correlation between those people and their position on the current manager because of the six signings that have been made, he's probably the one that's performed the worst of them all. I mean, the worst of a really good bunch, still pretty darn good. And I think maybe that has something to do with it because, I mean, Let's be real. The the most stringent of Arteta outers can't really use Tavares, Tomiyasu, Lukonga, White or Ramsdale against the manager's recruitment policy from the summer. But because Erdogan is the lowest performing of those six right now, I think that certainly has something to do with it. So, you know, always bear that in mind when you see who is criticising him. I think we should get behind the kids. I think he's adding to our creativity. I hope he starts against Man United. And I hope we have a really good season with him playing as many minutes as feasibly possible and that he proves a lot of people wrong. If we sit here in a year or two's time and he's not progressed us forwards, then we can have a discussion. But just, you know, nine, ten months after him signing, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not good enough because, frankly, that's ridiculous. Let's move on to the final part of the show, which is, of course, always answering your questions. So if you do indeed have a question that you would like to ask, ooh, hey, uh, then please do throw them into the chat box and we'll go through as many as possible. I'm noticing that actually I've been talking for 16 minutes and my voice is still, it, it's here. You can, it's healthier, which is a positive progressive move. I mean, it's my, my throat's more progressive than Thomas Partey has been the last couple of games. He's been about, my voice has been about as progressive as Bakaya Saka, which is improving every single week. But Thomas Partey needs to set things up a little bit. Come on, take some inspiration here, fella. <laughs> Let's get some questions to the chat, people. Come on. And we'll go for as many of them as feasibly possible. Matt G says, why do so many fans think Martinelli should be a striker? Because um, he's played there and he scored goals there, Matt. Um, I don't think he is a striker in the long term. I like him in the wide positions. I like him on the left-hand side. I know he scored a really good goal on the right-hand side at the weekend. But I like him on the left. I think he's a wide left forward that's got really good technical ability. I think his running up and down the pitch is akin to that of a winger. Um, I like the way he cuts inside and he's got a really powerful strike on him when he takes it. That, for me, is everything about a striker. He's a little bit too lightweight for me to be... Sorry about a left winger. He's a bit, little bit too lightweight for me to be a striker. I think we see that he gets pushed off the ball far too easily. I don't think his hold-up play is good enough to be a striker. Aubameyang has started to add hold-up play to his game. You might say he's not been, you know, strong enough to be a striker. But I don't. Th I think Martinelli is even more lightweight than Aubameyang is. And obviously, he's still young. But I look at Martinelli as very much a wide forward as he develops into the future. Kind of in the Hazard, 
kind of style role that we've seen him developing. I see a lot of Hazard's kind of technical ability in, in the youth of Martinelli. And I'm hoping that maybe he does develop into our left-sided winger and someone that maybe takes over Smith-Rowe's position as he moves more centrally as he develops. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Calvin says, hi, Tom. Uh, hi, Calvin. Uh, Arteta made the choice to bring Martinelli off the bench instead of Pepe. Do you think that Pepe will be on his way out soon? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, however... Not for £25 million. I very much doubt it would be that for much. I would take that much for Pepe, but I very much doubt that that would be how much we take him for. Venkatesh says, what kind of statistics Edu and his team are using for scouting? I thought they were scouting based off stats, and the link with the Romanian kid seems it is based on his potential like we did with Martinelli. Of course, we have our own kind of stats company uh, that was Stats DNA, but now that I think that's changed name. Someone in the chat box will know what that's changed to. Um, but I think that whatever they're using, the analytics that they're using, is, is absolutely paying off. You look at the signings that we've made this summer, you look at the importance they are to team. Every single one of the eight signings that have been, you know, that are still at the club, I mean, we, we look at Runnison, we look at Willian, they weren't the best of signings. But you look at Gabriel, Partey, Erdegaard, Tavares, Lukonga, Ben White, Ramsdale and uh, Tommy Asu. All of them started against Newcastle. Eight players that have been signed by Edu and Arteta all started the game against Newcastle. And, you know, we saw a really positive performance. And that in itself is really, really positive as well. MFB says, uh, if we go for a striker, who could we go for in January? It's a really tough question. Now, I asked this to Dan Potts last night on the podcast. If you haven't actually listened to our podcast yet from last night with myself, Dan and Raf, please make sure you go back and give it a listen. We talk a lot about the transfer window and the striking options that we could go for. Dan's argument is, is that we're a very big club and a big club should operate in a way in which we should be able to go and get anyone we want to, uh, practically. I, I, have, I have a little bit of a different state of mind to this. I do think that you know, I think we see from Vlaovic, for instance, the, the disinterest of joining Arsenal. That is unfortunately there. We've got to put ourselves back onto a pedestal where we can have the ego to be wanting any striker that we want. Um, I don't think we're quite there. So I think that you're going to have to overpay. You're going to have to pay some big wages, especially in January. Look, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, is, is currently injured on the way back, if he's fit again by January, why not put a £60 million bid in? and see what Everton do. Isaac, I'm really coming around to the idea of Isaac. I think he's improving every single game at Real Sociedad. Didn't start off the season so well, so I was <clears throat> I was a little bit um, concerned about that. But I think he's coming around too. Why not go for someone in January? I mean, it would be great. It would help us double down on our season and push forwards towards our goals. But it's just difficult, isn't it, MFB? Because I'm just not sure that the strikers out there are going to be necessarily available in January. Tony says, do you think Ramsdale has the potential to be one of the best English goalies ever? I believe so, as long as he keeps his attitude. Very simple answer from me, Tony. Absolutely. And Mohammed says, we cannot see Odegaard because of the style of our accepting players. We need more players running in behind. I mean, movement is definitely, definitely something that I think uh, is limiting Odegaard's ability to create because his vision and his ex execution of some of his passes can be brilliant. It's just a lack of movement we got. And I think in general under Arteta, that's the biggest thing right now is that we lack that added movement and creativity in the forward lines and that needs to improve. Black and Blanco says, would you let Aubameyang go to City as part of the Sterling deal? Yes, probably. Joseph says, hi, Tom. Would you think we should get, who do you think we should get in the midfield in January? We're pretty light. Uh, again, I wrote about this. And actually yesterday I put a tweet up 
uh, on the channel. You may have seen it if you're not following us already at Laguna Tool TV. But Sambi Lukonga, based on Scout total action success across 90 minutes, is having a better season per 90 than Bruno Gimaraes, the Ives, Ives uh, Basuma, and Ruben Neves, three players that we were all linked to in the midfield. And I was chatting to Vinny, I think it was on Twitter yesterday, that Arsenal need to start. If we're looking to get back into the Champions League, we need to start aiming for that next level of midfielder. I'm talking Yuri Tielemans. I'm talking Tuchemeni. I'm talking Fabian Ruiz. Arsenal need to be looking at that next level of centre midfielder if we want to improve on what we've got. Lekonga's great. If there's a chance that we can sign someone who's better than him, you do it because Arsenal need to be ruthless with their squads and we need to improve on the players that's already there. It really frustrates me sometimes when people say, oh, but what about the root of this player? What about this player? Look, Balogun could be great. Martinelli could be great. But if we've got the chance to sign a world-class player in those positions that's going to take us towards our target, we have to be ruthless and we have to go and, and get those players. It's as simple as that for me. I wouldn't. I'm not allowing anyone to just get a free route into the first team because they've got potential. We need to prioritise results and we need to make sure that we've got a quality squad. Yes, age profiles are important, but we need to make sure that we've got a side that can compete, get us back into the top four and get us back to where we want to be playing. Christopher says, Tom, when do you think Jack will be back? Uh, probably towards the end of December, uh, from the looks of things. Maybe not until the start of January, but he's ahead of schedule, so you never know. Andy, would you give Pepe a new... No. Uh, and use the money we'd spend on a new winger on players in other positions. No, I wouldn't. Um, I would sell him, take the money, um, invest in another young winger to maybe bring in uh, or someone like a Sterling, uh, if you had a bit more money on top of that, uh, bring them in, add to that position and then bring in a striker and a central midfielder on top of that too. Uh, 1300s, uh, Scuffface says, uh, Tom, have you seen this stupid thing going around that Ramsdale is making easy saves look hard by being dramatic on social media recently? Hey, look, I saw what Mike tweeted from you on my Arsenal talking about the save the other day. He actually makes a good point. If he goes with his right hand, he could actually get to it a lot easier and it probably wouldn't actually hit the bar. But look, there are always going to be people out there, and I'm not talking about Mike from, uh, from Yammer in any way when I say this, but there are always going to be people out there that want to downplay the brilliance of someone to, you know, when they have an agenda, when there's like hatred towards the manager or the club at the moment, they want to see us lose. There's always going to be about people out there that want to downplay something. Look, I'm enjoying Ramsdale. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And I think we've made a really good bit of business that's proven 90% of the people wrong that we're talking about. And I genuinely think it is around that high figure. I was in the doubtful crew. I think plenty of us were doubtful about Aaron Ramsdale signing when he came in. But he's proving everyone wrong and it's great to see. So let's just enjoy it while it's there. It could go absolutely awful the next few games. It shouldn't do because he's a great player. But we'll absolutely see where we move going forwards. Neil says, Tom, is Chupo moting on long-time contract? Do you rate him? <laughs> uh, look, he's a bit part player for the big clubs. That's that's all he kind of is. He's a backup. He's not someone that we should be looking at. Grief Hampton, what is Dejan Kulajewski's nationality? He's Swedish. He's Swedish. Come on, come on, none of this, none of this. Daniel Roberts says, does Ramsdale make easy saves look difficult? No, he, he just makes good saves. It's as simple as that. Leopold says, which changes will you make for the team when we face Man United? Tini comes in for Tavares. That's the only change I am making. Um, Dapo Dap says, Tom, what do you think of Ollie Watkins? Young, strong, hardworking Arsenal fan. I like him. I would absolutely take him. Uh, at the club. Alvi says, what do you think of the Saka celebration? How do you think the big name players have influenced the youngest Arsenal players? Um, he did the Urza celebration. 
Ozil scored against Newcastle. Um, I'm trying to make any other links. Look, he played with him. Just because people, we have our own feelings about Ozil doesn't mean that Saka can't have his own opinion and we should be criticising it. Ozil was one of the best players to ever play for Arsenal in regards to his ability. His consistency, his application of that ability was questionable. But during the early parts of his career, he he was absolutely one of our best players and helped us get ends that trophy drought, helped us continue to be in the top four. Um, and he had a big influence on the young players at the squad. So I have no issue with him doing the Ozil celebration. If you've got an issue because you don't like Meza Ozil with Saka doing a, an Ozil celebration, I would say take a long, hard look at yourself and really start to think about things that genuinely matter in life. But... Look, it's it's a celebration. He can do what he likes. If he's scoring for Arsenal, frankly, as long as it's within the realms of uh, sensibleness, he can celebrate how he likes. So it, that doesn't, you know, I didn't read anything into that, to be honest. So there you go. Um, this is my opinion, says yes for food and travel, and I'm not offending anyone, and I'm even against the manager. I just think Erdogan is not good enough for the Premier League. Why not? I need some explanation. This is what people are very easy to throw out, kind of, you know, he's not good enough, he's awful, he's this, he's that, without the explanation that we need. So come on, give us give us some words around it. Uh, Venkatesh says, how will it affect how will it affect if Wenger was given power in some kind of position in the board? Will it affect Arteta? Hey, look, I think if Wenger was back into the club. I don't know what negatives it could really bring. Um, I wouldn't personally have him back on any kind of influential level where he could make decisions. At the end of the documentary, it certainly sounded like he regretted staying at Arsenal. He wished he'd left earlier. and But that's really sad. I can understand why. But he faced a lot of uh, awful abuse during the end of his time at Arsenal from the club that he had you know, built into one of the most successful sides in the country during his period or rather gotten back to, to winning trophies that George Graham had done and managers previous to that too. Um, but I, I I think that that chat's has kind of closed. Like, I'm happy for him to be around if he's coming into the, the training ground, if he's having advice with players um, about their game, that's fine. But if he's having any kind of influence on the direction of the club, um, I think that, that's kind of done now. It's kind of moved. Um, but from an ambassadorial, uh, from a, cons not consultant, but more kind of a, you know, just a, a, a talking mentorish kind of position for players um, and a bit of a soundboard maybe, that's fine. But influential position in the club, I'm not sure that that's what we should be looking for. Uh, Rich says, is Isaac uh, the new Kanu? Uh, he could be a club legend in the making. I don't know is the honest answer. <laughs> I don't know whether or not Isaac could become a Kanu. Um, I don't look. They're very tall strikers. The play up front, they got a bit of pace about them both. They're technically they've got very good skills, but we need to see Isaac at, uh, at one of the. I say top clubs. La Real are doing brilliantly this season. So I mean, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Tony says, Tom, was Tommy our best signing? Remember, uh, I think Ramsdale's been our best signing. Tommy's been great, but I think Ramsdale's been our best signing. Um, but Tommy. Uh, was uh, remember how we used to get ripped on the right sides? Dan said that he would rather have Madison than all of our last five signs put together. Um, when did he say that? Because if he said that last night, what are you talking about, Dan? <laughs> if he said that in the summer before we'd even seen the season, I think maybe then you can understand why maybe there was a lot of uh, apprehension about our signings. But uh, look, 
you can't pick up on something you said months ago as how we might think now. It's not how it's not how it works. Uh, Nick says, do you think Tierney's back for United? He loves it when it snows. I hope he is. I think he would be perfect for that game. Uh, Chiendozi says, Tom, do you think Andre Onana of Lille? Um, uh, he plays at Ajax currently, Andre Onana. He looks like he probably would be ending up into Milan, though. Um, do you mean Onana at Lille? Because I don't know. I think you're getting Onana mixed up with a different player. Um, let me just check who I think... I'd, I don't want to leave you hanging in a sense of, of getting the wrong player, but Andre Onana is the Ajax goalkeeper who looks like he's moving to Inter Milan. But a midfielder from Lille, uh, Amadou Onana, 20-year-old Lille uh, midfielder. Um, I don't know anything about him, um, but he's played 11 games this season, 336 minutes played. He's coming off the bench quite a bit. I know nothing about him. I think you, but Amadou Onana rather than Andre Onana, um, I think uh, is certainly someone that if he's very good, the club will be tracking him. Um, but I know nothing about him. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've been watching every single week. Is it getting cracky again? Or croaky rather, my voice? I, I, thought, it, I thought it was fine. Maybe it's just me going weird. Uh, Jasmine says, Tom, do you think Darwin Nunez would be a good option at centre forwards? Again, I've not seen too much of him since uh, we played against him in the in the Europa League last season. Um, I know he was linked with Brighton in the summer, and I always thought he was previously linked with Barcelona, but hadn't really kicked on. Eight goals, 10 games, two assists uh, so far this year. I need to look into him a little bit more before I sit here and say he's the striker that we should go for. But he is a little bit of a different variable, isn't he? Taller, technical skill, uh, not exactly slow, so maybe certainly something. Uh, let's see the response about Erdogan from Yes for Food and Travel. Says, I'm not completely dismissing Erdogan and completely wanting to prove me wrong, but it just doesn't excite me enough. And sometimes he's fragile and plays some safe passes. Look, hey, safe passes sometimes are important to not lose the ball. People talk about players that are a little bit too, um, a little bit too loose with the ball, too risky. Erdogan sometimes keeps the play going. And I don't think there's any coincidence in the fact that Erdogan started both our highest shooting opportunity frequency games. Not at all. Uh, Egal, thanks for joining, mate. He says, Tom, I have concerns once Abamyang and Partey's performances versus Newcastle. Hey, look, I think everyone's got concerns. What I would say is that if you want to look at it from the bright side, when they both leave for the African Cup of Nations, maybe it won't be as bad as we're thinking because we're still doing pretty well without them being at their top level performances. I am concerned about Partey. I think he can show a lot more than he's currently showing. Abamyang too, obviously that, that miss outside the goal was near unforgivable uh, as a miss. It was pretty darn awful. But look, we're going to be moving on to a new striker soon. I do think that Aubameyang needs to be given more opportunities to score and our limited chance creation is not helping with that. Um, but I think Partey in particular can show us more than he currently is. Sinesse, thank you for joining us from Strasbourg, uh, formerly, of course, of where Mr. Arsene Wenger previously was as well. Dan says, how funny would it be if Newcastle got relegated? Very funny. And I, I am so, so willing this into existence. I'm absolutely wanting this to happen. People talk about their fan base has suffered for a long time. I don't care. I don't care. I have no affiliation to Newcastle. I have no liking towards any friends that are Newcastle fans that I can think of. I'm sorry if you're watching this and you're a friend of mine that supports Newcastle. I've forgotten about you and I apologize sincerely. Um, but I have no reason to like Newcastle, especially after their new ownership um, has taken over. Especially don't like them. So, look, 
<laughs> they can go down as far as I'm concerned. They can go down. Um, and uh, the quicker it happens, the better. And, you know, the, very, the harder it will be for them to overtake Arsenal. It's as simple as that. Uh, I've got the Peaky Blinders look today, apparently. I didn't I didn't know that they wear caps like this back in the day, but apparently that is. <laughs> Zander says, Erdogan scored against Spuds. Does that not automatically make him a dawdler? He's a signing of Arteta, and that is always going to be something that's held against him by a lot of people. I'm not saying every single person that criticizes him is going to be Arteta out, but I think there is a large proportion to be honest. That's the kind of feeling that I've got from things. Um, thank you so much everyone that's tuned in. Over 500 of you are currently watching. We do this show every morning at 8am. Make sure you're making it part of your morning routines. We do a Q&A and we update you on all the latest Arsenal news. Please make sure that you drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. I'll be back in an hour's time over on the Arsenal Way channel. We're just over, as I said, we're just under 50 subscribers from hitting 5,000 subs over there. We are almost at 28,000 subs here. So please do hit that subscription button if you haven't done so already. But as I say, every morning, 8 a.m., you've got one day left of the Arsenal News Show. And then on the 1st of December, we begin the 8 a.m. Arsenal Transfer News Series as we do the lead up to the January window. Exciting times are ahead. And of course, we'll be covering all of the news relating to Manchester United on Thursday. There'll be a, pre uh, a preview show in the next couple of days. And you can go listen to our podcast that came out yesterday. You can listen to that on all audio platforms as well. Plenty of stuff to get your teeth sunk into. Thank you so much for everybody in joining us in the chat box today. Also, I'll be with the boys. I'm assuming I've not heard anything yet, but I imagine it's going to be happening over on the Arsenal Lounge at 8 p.m. tonight. I'll be joining Shaheen Lev and Mo Hader of course, at 8pm tonight on the Arsenal Lounge. So do go and check us out. But I'll see you in an hour's time over on the Arsenal Way. Link is in the description. Keep it real, keep it Arsenal. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.